listening to a sermon that was preached and recorded live at one of Shalom Baptist Chapel's Sunday morning worship services. For more information about the church, please visit shalombaptistchapel.org. Welcome to Shalom Baptist Chapel once again. And uh, if you are here for the first time or you were not here for the last week or for the last two weeks, you are right in the middle of a series that we are doing called Rethinking God. Rethinking God. Do we need God anymore? Is there a need of God anymore? And this question is for all of us, irrespective of whether you are or you are not a Christian. It's for all of us. But don't worry if you are in the middle and if you want to have a copy of what we have been doing, you can always receive from us. But to kind of backtrack a bit and to give you a little bit of what we were saying in this uh, series, we started with the tension of many people being stuck in the middle. And the group of people that are stuck in the middle, we said it's a growing percentage, not only in the worldwide, but even in Singapore, it is a growing percentage. In 2016, the percentage of these people in the middle called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, they do not affiliate with any religion, uh, they also don't go to the camp of atheism at the same time. They, were, they are just in the middle. They are, non, they are the non-affiliates. It's a growing percentage. In 2016, about 18, 18.5%. And it's a growing population. And we said that this stuck in the middle is not just necessarily people who are, um, you know, who grew up with no faith. But surprisingly, the people who are stuck in the middle are the ones who have migrated from theism, meaning from a certain group of religious belief, and they have migrated from there, and now, right now, they are stuck in the middle. Because on the other side, when they look at atheism on the first day, on the first week of this series, we looked at what atheism is, and the gurus of atheism, the new atheists, have told us what, they, what it is like. And I believe that we have kind of gotten the picture of what atheism is. And when they look at what atheism is, it, it, it's, it's, it's not that appealing either. Just as they find religion not appealing anymore. And as I said, I don't talk about religion in general, but I want to talk about specifically the Christian religion, Christianity. And we say that even Christians, uh, there are a growing number of people. Because just because you come to church doesn't mean you believe, right? And just because someone stopped going to church doesn't mean he or she doesn't believe. Belief is a very interesting thing. You don't have to just believe. You don't just believe just because you come or you don't come. So even many Christians are in this situation where they, they, they grew up and they realize that the God that they grew up with 
is not appealing anymore. They find that the God that they grew up with, the child, child, child faith God, is not relevant anymore. And so they migrate and they get stuck in the middle. And last week, we, we talked about this, and we said that one of the reasons why people migrate from religion, especially Christianity, and even for those of us who are here, you might have not migrated into this category called the stuck-in-the-middle category, but you might be on the verge of moving, migrating to this category. Because you know what? For you, you have been also questioning, you have been wondering as well, like, Really, is my faith in God real? It's like I'm kind of a bit tired. I don't see the relevance of God that I grew up with in my Sunday school anymore. And so secretly in your heart, in your mind, you know you are one of them that probably might be migrating soon. Or in the event or in the future, you might ever consider that. So I think it is helpful that we talk about this so that we are aware of our situation and can possibly do something before anything happens or even when, if we are in the midst of it. One of the reasons, yes, not yesterday, last week, last week we discussed was one of the reasons why people migrate or people tend to have this question is uh, this, this, this characteristic of I thought God is supposed to be like this, 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 this. We grew up with certain understanding of who God is, right? And we talk about uh, uh, at least five different gods that we grew up with. You may be a religious person or you may not be. But these are the kind of gods I think we grew up. I don't know about you, but if you ask me, I grew up in a Christian family. My parents were Christian. In other words, I was a Christian because my parents were Christian in a sense. But of course, as I grew up, I owned the faith. But I grew up somehow with this kind of notion of God, that God is a, is, is a body God God, means God will always protect. God will always protect the good people from harm. But like, where did we get that idea from? It's not true, isn't it? And I've seen in my own family life back in Nagaland, no, that is not true. God is not a God who always protects. There is no such thing that no bad things will happen to good people. And there is this second on-demand God that, you know, we always think that if we ask some unselfish thing, God will always provide for us. Boyfriend or girlfriend, God is a God that we always think that God, the presence of God, we must always feel the presence of God. No, where did we get that idea? And the guilt God is the God that, you know, we, we think that, oh, God loves us, but He's not happy with us because we always tend to sin. So, yeah, God may love you, but actually He doesn't like you. He doesn't like you means He doesn't take pleasure with you. Anti-science God is the God that we believe that God is against science. God is against all this theory that is coming up. No. And that's how we grew up. They're like, oh, don't, don't question. Don't bring science. But that's, these are the gods that do not exist. And if you, are in, if you are stuck in the middle or if you are considering, if you are having doubts, and if you, are, if you are feeling the sense of Christianity or God doesn't appeal to me anymore, 
Perhaps one of the reasons could be this, that you are believing in one of the wrong gods. I'm glad that I'm glad to hear some, some comments from, uh, you know, so far this series. And, and, and uh, one of them that I received a comment, it was very heartening to say that, yeah, that, 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 that this person could identify with some of the gods here. And, and that's, I think, I think we, we, can, we can identify ourselves in that. So if you ever quit believing in a god, these gods, then it's good. Because these gods, they do not exist. The second reason, or the second <clears throat> common characteristic that we talked about last week, and I said I will talk about this week, is this. I believe because the Bible tells me so. So one of the reasons why people begin to doubt, people lose their faith, they migrate over to the stuck-in-the-middle group, is because they have this mentality that I believe because the Bible tells me so. Now, what is this all about? We have sung the song just now, an age-old song, which everybody knows. Jesus loves me, this I know. Exactly, for the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. That means if the Bible didn't tell me, I would not know that Jesus loves me. Mm -hmm. Now, hold on. I need you to pay attention very closely today, because if you don't, I can guarantee you, you will misinterpret my message today. So don't zonk out, don't play with your phones, <laughs> don't be selective hearing, okay? <laughs> Just try to get the whole picture and wait until the end of the message to judge me if you wish to judge, all right? So hold on tight, okay? Here we go. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. If we are not careful, what this implies is this. I believe there is God. I believe he sent his son, Jesus. I believe Jesus died and rose again. Why do you believe? Oh, because it's in the Bible, what? I believe all these things because it is mentioned in the Bible. I simply believe because I just take God's word on face value. Just, I see it, I believe. I believe because it's in the Bible. In other words, it means it must be true because it's in the Bible. Jesus loves me, this I know. Jesus loves me. This truth must be true or this statement must be true because it's in the Bible. And so, we, we make the Bible the core foundation of Christianity. When we say that, oh, it must be true, I believe just because the Bible says so, the Bible becomes the core foundation of Christianity. And when the Bible becomes the core foundation of Christianity, as the Bible goes, so goes our faith. What does it mean? We grew up, whether you are religious or not, we grew up, because we all grew up in a very religious environment, we grew up 
believing, especially for Christians, because I speak for Christians, we grew up believing that the Bible is the Word of God. No doubt about that. That the Bible is true, no doubt about that. But we grew up, in a way, believing in God and believing in Jesus who loves us because the Bible said it so. And so, as we grow up, you see, in the childhood faith, it's, it's very easy. You, you, you have a very simple faith when we are young. But as we grew up and we face the rigors of life, teenage years, universities, and when we enter the workforce in the marketplace. And now that's when the real question comes. That's when we ask fact-based questions. And unfortunately, we tend to receive faith-based answers. We receive faith-based answers to fact-based questions. It's like the science tells us this one, so how do you prove that? There is no archaeological evidence to prove that the global, the global flood that the Bible Genesis tells us, there is no archaeological evidence. And then we just receive, no, don't think too much. Just have faith. Have faith that it's in the Bible, that the Bible says the whole world was flooded. That's the answer. Faith-based answers to the fact-based questions. And you may or may not realize it, but actually this is one of the main reasons why people along the way, Christians, they get their faith shaken along the way. And these are the things we don't realize it when it's happening. We only realize when we migrate over and get into the stuck-in-the-middle category. So when we cannot prove something that is said in the Scripture, when we cannot prove scientifically, when we cannot prove archaeologically, when we cannot prove philosophically, when we cannot prove sociology, what all the logi, 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 what is in the Bible, then what happens? We tend to lose our faith and our confidence in God slowly, slowly, slowly. Because we tend to realize that hey, actually the Bible says like this, but the archaeological finding and some of the philosophical arguments and all those seems to be in contrary to this. So which one is true? How come we thought that the Bible is true, but then we don't find some evidence, and then so how? So if we grew up saying that we believe everything about God, we believe that Jesus loves us because it's in the Bible, then as the Bible goes, so goes our faith. That's what it means. And so when we make Bible the core foundation of Christianity, if there is anything that you cannot stand the rigors of the secular world with regards to some proofs in the Bible events, that's when our faith get shaken. Here's the point. <clears throat> Christianity does not exist because of the Bible. Let me say that again. Christianity does not exist because of the Bible. It is the other way around. It is the other way around. What is this? 
Anybody? What is this? Singapore birth certificate. Question. Do you exist because of your birth certificate? I know the answer. Answer is, of course. Are you stupid? Right? Of course, no. You don't exist because of your birth certificate. It is the other way around. The birth certificate exists because of the fact that you exist in the first place. Your birth certificate exists because you exist. In the same line of thought and manner, same vein, the Bible exists in the first place because Christianity exists. You see the difference? You see the implication there? Why? Why do we say that? Because your birth certificate, what does it do? It, sim- it simply documents, it simply records something that had happened. Likewise, the Bible records something that took place, something that happened in the history of mankind. The Bible is not something, it's not the core foundation of Christianity. It is a record, it is a historical book that records something that actually happened in the history of mankind. The Bible records the pre and Christianity event. It's a record, it's a document that tells us what has happened. So let me show you what this is all about, okay? Stick with me. This is important. I give you a line of history. Dates are important, and I will show to you, okay? Don't doze off. Here is the one. In the 30 AD, all right, In the 3080, Jesus was crucified. He was resurrected on the third day. And then what happened? Two months, about two months after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the church was birthed. You see that? And guys, this one is not in the Bible. It's Google is your friend. Go, just fine. It's there. Go in the library, in the, in the history book, you will find. Okay? In the 3080, Jesus was crucified, and then he rose from the dead on the third day, and about two months later, the church was established. You know why? Because when Jesus was crucified, his disciples didn't believe, didn't expect that Jesus would rise from the dead. But when he rose from the dead, and when they saw that, wow, Jesus actually predicted his own death and predicted his own resurrection, and he pulled it through, they saw a risen Savior. As a result, of course, when you see someone who predicts his own death and his resurrection, and he pulls both of them, what do you do? Do you just like... No, you you will just go on Facebook and Instagram and you will just try to like, I cannot believe this. I saw him, he is alive. 
And that was exactly what happened. They, the disciples of Jesus went around the city of Jerusalem and they went around and tell all the people, the Pharisees, the Roman soldiers, the, their own people saying that, you see, Jesus was crucified. You all killed him. We saw you kill him. But we saw him rise from the dead. You better repent. And then what happened? One single announcement of that resurrection Thousands and thousands of people believed in the resurrected Jesus. Now, if anybody is to say that no, Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then you would have documents during that time written by that group of people around the vicinity of Jerusalem saying that no, that is fake. Jesus didn't rise. No. There has been no such thing. Of course, there were some kind of uh, reports giving like, oh, somebody stole the body. Oh, Jesus actually didn't die, uh, you know, die on the cross and all those. No, but there is no evidence to such claims. And so the church was birthed in the year 3080. And the next date, which is quite significant, is 7080. It was the destruction of the Jewish temple. Now, the Jewish temple, as you know, is very important for the Jewish people. And remember, the early disciples, the first, second, third century disciples, mostly prominently was the Jewish people. Of course, they extended to the Gentiles, but primarily it began with the Jewish people. And so the Jewish temple is very, very important. Anything happens to the Jewish temple, they will do something about it, they will write something about it, they will say something about it. Now, this is important because in AD 70, the, this, the Jewish temple was completely destroyed by the emperor Titus, who was the son of Vespasian. Now, Vespasian, Roman emperor, came down in about four, four five years before 70 AD. Uh, about maybe 65, 66, 80. He came down and then he tried to, you know, rally the whole group to get rid of all the Jewish people. And then he left his son, uh, uh, Titus, and he went back to Rome to, to establish his own kingdom. And Titus, boy, he was on fire. He was on fire for his father. He was on fire to fire all the Jewish people. And so he kind of rallied, he, he make all the ditches, ditch, uh, ditch the ground and all those, they will throw them, they will just hang them, they will throw them out, spear them like that, they will just, just, just get rid of all the Jewish people. And all the Jewish people were chased out. Thousands and thousands of Jewish people were killed. And then the remaining, they were chased out of the city of Jerusalem. And that happened. And finally, on 6th August, AD 70, the temple of Jerusalem, Jewish temple, was completely destroyed. Now, all these events, you can Google it, you will find it. Question. All these events that I mentioned, how come, if you have read the New Testament scriptures, how come nobody, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, James, Paul, how come they didn't record these events? How come in the Bible there is no mention of the Jewish temple being destroyed? How come there is no mention of Jewish people being persecuted under Titus? Not Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate was mentioned. 
but then the emperor Titus was not mentioned. How come? The only reasonable, uh, reasonable answer is this. It hadn't happened yet. <laughs> this hasn't happened yet when the writers of the New Testament wrote. That means when Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, James, uh, uh, Paul, when they wrote the New Testament documents, the destruction of the Jewish temple and the persecution, thousands of thousands being killed and chased away from out of Jerusalem, the Jewish people by Emperor Titus, haven't happened yet. That's why they didn't write. They wrote of all the other persecutions that were happening during their time. That means the, all the New Testament documents were written before 70 AD. That means they were written bef- between 35 to 40 to about 60 AD. That was the period that the New Testament was written. Now, some of you may be thinking like, all right, like, okay, it's so boring. Why are all these important? Like, who cares when the New Testaments were written? Who cares when, when Paul wrote, when Matthew, Mark, Luke wrote? That's the problem. Christianity has become solely about, ayah, don't think too much. Lah. Don't think how we came about. Lah. Don't think so much about how the Bibles were written. Lah. Just have faith, right? That's how we grew up. And that's how even, even today we are told to believe in that way. Just believe because it's in the Bible. Why argue so much? But do you know, church, that is the reason why we are losing many young people these days. And some of us, some of us say like, ah, yeah, these days young people, uh, they like to think so much, they like to talk all this nonsense thing. No, they're not talking nonsense thing. They're asking fact-based questions. And let's admit it. We are not giving them fact-based answers. We are giving them faith-based answers answers which isn't helping them at all and guess what actually if your faith is kind of shaken it is also because you have never received fact-based answers you have been receiving all your life faith-based answers all your life you have been like if 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 some kind of some intellectual or some some historical question is asked about christianity you'll be like ah yeah who cares lah just believe lah jesus died on the cross that's it lah and I think, I think that, that, that does more harm than increases your faith. No, it doesn't. It does more harm to your faith. And the reason why it is important to, to know that the New Testament documents were written before the destruction of the Jewish temple is because many so-called secular, the other side of the scholars, they like to kind of rebuke the Christian is that, ah, all the New Testament documents, they're all myths. They're all just legends. And do you know, they say that the New Testaments were written only 100 plus AD after 70 years, 80 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All the New Testaments were written only after 70, 80 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is after 100 years, after 180. You know why that is important? Because you may not realize it, some of you may know, for a legend to be a legend, for a myth to be a myth, you can only qualify a certain story, a document to be a myth, only after 70, 80 years and above. The, the reason is very simple. For a myth or a legend to develop, 
It must be, the story must be told and retold, rewritten, retold, rewritten, retold, to the point that after 70 to 100 years after, it sounds so convincing that people start to write as if it is true. That is how it is developed. That's why for a myth or for a legend, to be a myth or a legend, it requires minimum at least 70 or 80 years and above. And so that's where we say no! The New Testament documents that we have, no, they were not written after 70, 80 years after Jesus Christ was rose from the dead. They were written in just about 10, 20 to 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. One of the best proofs is because the destruction of the Jewish temple was not mentioned by any of the disciples of Jesus Christ. Had they been around them, around that, and had they not written before that. So that's, that's one of the ways to look at it. And <clears throat> some people say that, uh, the, you know, some people comment that uh, the New Testament Bible is not reliable, it's a myth, you know, it's written many years, as I said. If you have friends, um, they may not be Christian and they may be uh, atheists or maybe stuck in the middle. If they say, nah, New Testament documents are not reliable, it's a myth and all those, actually, to be very honest, it's not to kind of look down on them, but I think they're just being lazy. Because if they are very serious about what they are accusing of, then how they, they must explain all these dates and all these events. Anyway, moving on. One of the things that I want to show you from the Scripture is this, that all the New Testament writers, when they wrote, when they, uh, for example, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, James, Peter, Paul, when they wrote the New Testament, they didn't write as if it was like a myth or a story. They wrote it as a history. They wrote it as something that took place and they were simply just recording the historical event that took place and that they witnessed, that they saw. Now, Give you an example. Let's, let me introduce to you Dr. Luke. Let Dr. Luke speak to us. He says this In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip Tetrarch of Euteria, and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, Tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas or Cephas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. When was it written? It wasn't like, oh, one morning, or in a bright daylight, the angel came and spoke. One day, during long, long time ago, when everything was smooth sailing, when the wind was blowing from the east, moving towards the west direction, Zechariah felt something. No, Luke was very specific. It was at a specific point in time of history, at a specific point of uh, uh, emperor. In other words, what is Luke trying to tell us? Very simple. Check the facts with me. I dare you fact check me. 
if you think I am lying, you go and check my facts from other sources written at that time. Find whether there are people, there is a person called Zechariah living, he claimed, the son of God, he claimed God visited during the time of Annas, Sophias, and all the Herod, Tetrarch of Galilee, and so on and so forth. And so the, I, I, when, I, when I read all this, I was like, wow. It, it is incredible. See, it's not just the meat. And so these documents, the New Testament, were, they were so precious the people at that time in the first, second century, they started to copy them. They, it was so precious, they, they started to copy. And they did it in thousands and thousands of copies because it was precious. But listen, here's the kicker. Listen up. At that time, the disciples started to copy what the Authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, James, Peter, Paul, what they have written, they copied what they wrote, not because they believed it was the inspired word of God. <laughs> they copied not because they believed it was the inspired word of God. They copied because they believed it was true. That what they have written, the events, they copied because they said, yes, we saw it with our own eyes. We saw them how they did. Yes, this is true. People got to know this. And so they wrote. They copied because they knew it was true, that it really happened. Not because, Paul, God must have inspired him. Let's copy. No, it wasn't done that way. Then moving forward, the next one is Constantine. I'm sure most of you know him. By 312, Constantine came. Uh, he, he, he came to the throne. And do you know Constantine became a Christian, right? Everybody knows that. Do you know, but do you know why Constantine became a Christian? Anybody knows? Because? He? Or to become the head of the church. Hmm, okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But one of the main reasons he became a Christian is this. After he got, he became an emperor, he thought to himself, okay, I need to unify my people. I need to unify the people that I'm going to rule because there were a lot of uh, uh, separation. So he started to think and he started to ask his associates, what is one common thing that is among the people in the kingdom? And guess what? The one common thing at that time was Christianity, not the Roman gods anymore. One thing that unified people was Christianity because by the time 312 A.D., Christianity spread like wildfire. And so, Constantine immediately became Christian because he wanted to unify his kingdom. Or oh, do you know, side note, his mother became Christian even before him. When the persecutions were going on, she became Christian silently. 
So, it wasn't the Roman gods anymore, it was Christianity. So, do you, do you see what, what was happening at that time? Christianity basically, this is the point, Christianity basically grew and made a significant impact to the world before the Bible even existed. From 3080 to 312, when there was no Bible written, when there was no printing of the Bible, when the Bible was not even established properly, Christianity had already grown like a wildfire, spread through the forest, burned down the whole forest. It was that kind of picture. Made a significant impact to the whole Roman world before the Bible even existed. Now, you may not know this, but again, this is important. 350 AD, now, Ignore the words here. But what is this? This simply, it means that, that, the, Jewish, that the Jewish scriptures, uh, which we call Old Testament, but that time they, they didn't call Old Testament. They will call, them, they will, they, they will call it uh, scripture, uh, Jewish scripture. So at that time, uh, it was only at 350 AD, the Jewish scriptures, the Hebrew and Aramaic, the Jewish scriptures was combined with the Greek New Testament documents together for the first time. Before that, it had never happened. And for the first time, uh, the original copies for both the Old Testament and the New Testament, they were combined uh, when, when, uh, after the Constant, uh, Constantine. And the reason why this is significant was because it was illegal for, for anyone to bring all the all the original copy of the Jewish scriptures together. It was illegal, and at the same time, it was also very expensive to kind of copy and bring them together. You can only hear the scriptures in the Jewish synagogues. So it was only after Constantine, with his influence and wealth, he got the scribes to gather all the materials and put them together. And the first time, the first time, that we have uh, uh, the book entitled the Biblia or the Bible was in the year 388. That was the year we had the first so-called the Bible. It was a few hundred years ago. So here's the point. Look up here. You should see this. Christianity made significant impact and replaced the Roman, the barbarian, and most Egyptian gods, and became the state religion of the Roman Empire before the Old Testament and the New Testaments were combined and titled as the Bible. Even before the Bible existed, Christianity has already made a stronghold. Before the Bible existed, Christianity has already made changes and transformed tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of lives. Before anyone held Bible in their hands. And by the way, people only started to have Bible in their hands after the invention of the printing press. And that was very, very long after this. Don't you think so? So listen up. 
the first, second, and third century Christians. The first, second, and third century Christians, the early Christians, the disciples of Jesus, and all the new church that established, was established, the first, second, third early Christians who endured, who faced, and who endured persecutions. They believed Jesus loved them. I should say this. The first, second, third century Christians who faced persecutions like nobody's business, that our minds cannot even think about it, who endured. They believed that Jesus loved them even before the Bible told them so. The early disciples of Jesus believed that Jesus was true and that he loved them to the end, not because of the infallible and inspired Old Testament scriptures that they had, because during the time of Jesus, they only had the Jewish scriptures. But they didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God and He He's going to love them to the end because of the Jewish scriptures that they, they, they thought it was inspired, it was infallible. No. If someone, if some of us were to time travel during the days of Peter, okay? after the resurrection of Jesus. Imagine with me, all right? Just indulge me in this. If any one of us were to time travel, after the resurrection of Jesus, and after Peter has met Jesus, and tell G Peter, hey, Peter, I think you should, you should, you know, you should contain your excitement. I, I think you're too excited, huh? Uh, Oh, by the way, uh, uh, my name is so-and-so. I'm from the future, from the 2019. <laughs> you, you may not even <laughs> know what, what I'm talking about, but I'm telling you I'm from the future, okay? And I'm, I'm from a future that, you know, all this, you are getting geeked about all this Jesus stuff. Um, you got to cool down because uh, you don't realize there is no archaeological evidence to prove that the flood that was mentioned in Genesis was global flood, by the way. There is no, there is no uh, physical evidence and, and scientific uh, 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 evidence to say that the earth is just only about 8, 9, 10 plus thousand years old. No, no, there is no scientific proof of all this. You know? uh, there is no really, there is still a sharp disagreement from, um, in the scholarship about all this uh, exodus of, of the Jewish people and, and so and so forth. So, so you, I think you should, you should cool down yourself. Don't, don't, don't be so excited about this Jesus stuff. And you know what Peter will say? Peter will say, you know what? You are right. I don't know what you're talking about. And guess what? Yes, I do believe in my Jewish scripture. I'm a Jew. I believe in the Jewish scriptures. I believe that God has inspired and written for us. But Peter will say this. Are you ready? Peter will say this. I believe with all my heart. Peter will say this. I am a follower of Jesus not because of the Jewish scriptures, but because Jesus died and rose from the dead. He will tell you. <laughs> I know you are from future. But let me tell you, my friend predicted his own death. My friend predicted his own resurrection. 
And you know what? He died. We thought that's it. We thought he was the savior. We were disappointed. I was like, that's it. Gone. I migrated from believing in Jesus. And when, 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 when the women came to report to us, Oh, Peter, James, John, Oh, Jesus, the, the body of Jesus is not in the tomb. I thought I ran and I saw the first thing that, I, that came to my mind was like somebody stole the body of Jesus. It never occurred into me that Jesus rose from the dead, but we had breakfast on the beach. He rose from the dead. And Peter will say that. I am a follower of Jesus not because of the Jewish scriptures. I am a follower of Jesus because he died and rose from the dead for my sin. Do you know, my brothers and sisters, for the, first, for the first 300 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, for the first 300 years of verifying, because after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the early church began. And the early church was establishing the core foundation of Christianity. During the first 300 years, the verifying of the Christian foundation was not on a book. It was on an event. They were not debating. Oh, is the Bible true? Is the Bible true? Can we, can, we, can we rely on the Bible? No, that was not their question. That was not their core foundation question of Christian faith. What was it? Did Jesus rise from the for the first 300 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the verifying of Christian foundation was based on the question, did Jesus really rise from the dead? Because like as Paul said, if he didn't die now, we are doomed. Our faith is pointless. We are wasting our time and we are just fooling other people that he's the savior it was not on a book it was on an event the foundation did jesus rise from the dead and do you know if we ask this question to the disciples of jesus christ did jesus rise from the dead oh matthew will say oh yes he did mark will say oh yes he did luke will say oh i thoroughly investigated i didn't just write by my own understanding i went and interviewed many people i interviewed the eyewitnesses i interviewed even outside the group of people of jesus followers and yes he did at a specific point in time of history, at the reign of this person, this emperor, at this point in time, if you ask Peter, Peter will say, oh, you must be kidding me. I saw him rose from the dead. Paul would say, Paul who was like so aggressive, Paul who was the enemy of Christianity, Paul who was on the verge of saying that I'm going to eradicate from the face of the earth all the followers of Jesus. He saw the light and he went, he risked his life. And he would say, yes, Jesus did rise from the dead. The growth and spread of Christianity and the church wasn't centered around the Bible. 
It wasn't centered around the Bible. Instead, the growth and the spread of Christianity and the church was centered around the eyewitnesses of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, my brothers and sisters in Christ, some of you may be stuck in the middle and the reason could be this, that you find Christianity unappealing. That you find God to be a bit irrelevant for you and your life. You might have gone through some events that your faith has been shaken. You are stuck in the middle. You're stuck in the middle. And in this middle situation is, yeah, your faith is shaken. You find Christianity in particular unappealing. And one of the reasons could be because of the Bible. <laughs> wow, it's like, really? One of the reasons you may be losing your faith, you may be doubting, beginning to doubt about the relevancy, about the, about the practicality of Christian faith and Jesus Christ in your life because of the Bible. You know why I say because of the Bible? Because you have believed all this while, since your childhood until today, you have believed that the Bible is the core foundation of Christianity. It's interesting, isn't it? One of the reasons why you are in the, stuck, in the, stuck in the middle, why your faith is shaken, why you find Christianity unappealing at the same time as atheism is because of the Bible. And that you have been thinking that the Bible is the core foundation of Christianity. As the Bible goes, so goes your faith. So, here's my challenge to all of us. If you want to believe, if you ever want to consider to choose to believe in Jesus? Should you choose to believe that Jesus truly loves you? <laughs> and to the Christians now, should you choose to continue to believe that really Jesus loves me? Then here's my challenge to all of you and all myself. Then you should believe that Jesus loves you on the basis of how the first, second, and third century Christians believed it was so. And the first, second, third Christians, early Christians, they believed that Jesus loved them so not because the Bible told them so, because there was no Bible to tell them so. So should you choose to believe in Jesus, that He loves you? Should you ever choose to continue to stick to this faith and have the assurance that, yes, Jesus loves me, then we should, and you should, I should believe like that of the early Christians. Not because the Bible says so, but because... They saw Jesus die and rose from the dead. Now, question. 
Where does this put our Bible? Uh-huh. Maybe some of you were thinking that, like, okay, so are we going to throw our Bible? Since the Bible seems not to be the core foundation of Christianity, that Jesus, his death and the resurrection is the core foundation of our Christianity. So where does the Bible go? Now, I'm not suggesting that we throw the Bible. We embrace, actually, instead we embrace the Bible close to our heart. We embrace the Bible today. Because, not because, not because it is the foundation, but it is the reference to the foundation. We, we embrace the Bible. You should, you ought to, I should, I ought to embrace the Bible and make it part of my life because it is the reference to the foundation of our faith, and that is Jesus Christ. And so here's my challenge to you. And that's why we should read the Bible. We should study the Bible. That's why you should come on Sunday morning and study the scripture together as a church. The scripture, why we embrace the scripture, not only because it is inspired and and, and infallible, no, but because whatever is written in the scriptures are records, are documents that tells us what really happened in the 1st, 2nd, 3rd century, especially the New Testament, and how the witnesses of Jesus' death and resurrection, how they wrote and how they did life together. It is a historical account that we read and we learn life lessons from there and find and understand the will of God because the first, second, third century, the way they lived their life, they were not living based on the scriptures, based on the Bible. It was not as if like, okay, everybody study the scripture and we live. No, there was no Bible at that time. They lived simply based on the death and resurrection of Jesus, that Jesus loved them because of Jesus' love, he died for them. And Jesus said, you must therefore love one another. That's it. Everything hinges on that command, love one another. And they just did that, did that, did that. And that's why when we embrace the scripture, why we should study the scripture, why you should analyze, why we should apply the Bible is because they have lived the like. It is a record, it's a reference to how they lived, how they understood the will of God. And when we read and when we apply, we are doing likewise the same. We are living according to the will of God. We are living to that which Christ has called us to love God by loving one another. And so, that is the reason we should embrace. Bible is not the core foundation of Christianity. It has never been, and it will never be. It is an event, not a book, that is the core foundation of Jesus Christ. And I hope that you understand. And I hope that will kind of open your mind to look further. For those of you who might be in the middle, I hope this will challenge you 
and my and, and my and my objective is very clear. My my agenda is very obvious here. I want you to get out of the middle. It's not a nice place to be in. And I'm telling you, you should get out of the middle because you are in the middle because there was some misunderstanding of God and Christianity. You should get out. Life, life is not in the middle. Life is where God is. The right kind of God, the God that is recorded, the God that is historical. And that's my purpose. I want to woo you out of the middle. I want to encourage you, for those of you who might be finding Christianity, blah, 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 hopeless, hypocrites, unauthentic. Yes, you are right, everything about that. We are a bunch of hypocrites. We are a bunch of sinners. And some of us, even some Christians, are even having the idea of this attitude of supersessionist. It's like we are superior, like, oh, we are the chosen one. Hey, you all going to hell. Yes, I admit, we are fallen as much as you are. But we choose to believe that there is God. There is a perfect God who loves the imperfect being like you and me. Jesus loves you. This you should know. Not because the Bible tells you so. It's better than that. It's better than that. Jesus loves you. This you should know, my brothers and sisters, my friends, because Jesus died for your personal sin to tell you it is so. I hope that encourages you. I hope it encourages our heart to be assured, to be very certain that yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. He died to prove that he loves me. So, and we embrace the Bible because it is a reference to that event and to the events that took place that will shed light about who God is and about how we are supposed to live. So I invite you, if you're stuck in the middle, if you're somewhere, anywhere, I want you to reconsider your faith. I want you to reconsider what has been going in your mind. I want you to reconsider what has your past been. That's fine. Those are real. Things that are going in your life, you seem not to reconcile. How come if God is like this, then why is this happening? I understand. And actually, no, it's not true. I don't understand. Because some of the things that you are going through, I, I don't understand. Maybe I will pretend to understand. But all I'm saying is, I, 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 I know it's real. It's a real feeling of despair, disappointment, frustration. But there is no other better option than God. I want to invite you towards... Would you stick with me for the next two weeks to lean toward God? And let's see how we end our journey together. Yes, Jesus loves you 
This I know for sure, and you should know. For Jesus died for your personal sin to tell you it is so. Let's all rise and invite the worship team to once again lead us in this song. Jesus loves me, this I know. And as we sing this, let us sing prayerfully, asking God to work in our hearts. But before that, may I invite you to just close our eyes and go before the Lord and just prepare our hearts to just respond to what we have heard through this song. I'll give you a moment with God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you. And I just can't thank you enough, God, for giving us the privilege to come in this manner and to listen and to be reminded of some truths that perhaps we have kind of twisted and we have kind of relied on the tradition. But we have missed some poignant matters into the faith that you have called us into. My brothers and sisters who are standing here before you, I don't know how they are journeying in their walk with you, but you know, oh God. And this is the message that, Lord, you have given to us. In all of our struggles, you know from deep inside which you, O oh Lord, do your work. Your gentle spirit come and stir ours, our spirit and Lord for some of us we may, as we listen we are still struggling we can feel it because it's real but I pray oh Lord that they will be willing to take the step of faith to say that okay I will lean I will continue I will lean toward God I will reconsider where I am and I will want to go back or I will, I, will, I will see if, if this is something real that I can consider to step in. I pray, O oh Lord, that whoever there are here, you know each one of them. You know their heart struggle right now even, what they are thinking right now even. Lord, I pray this week you will speak to them again. You will bring them to circumstances, to things, to, to words, to pictures, or to friends through dreams just speak to them oh God confirm and affirm the things they are hearing confirm and affirm Lord your love for them that Jesus you love us that you love them so much that you will not leave them out that you love them to the end of your life you love us and we know this because you died for our personal sin to tell us it is so Yes, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves us. Jesus loves me. This we know. This is our confidence. Not because the Bible tells us so. It is better than that. 
it is better than that he loves us and we know because he died and rose for our sin 